Welcome to Dragon Age Off The Record. We have no idea what the fuck we're doing. Welcome to Dragon Age Off The Record, episode 19. I'm Elizabeth. With me is my co-host, Rode. Hi. Hello, and we have a special guest, Anthony, today. How you doing? I'm doing great. She said you're special. Who the hell are you? I <laughs> am nobody special. All right, moving on. Ah! Oh, my feelings. Well, the reason I invited you on is because you just recently started listening to our show and you were asking questions like, what are we going to cover? What's this? What's that? And I thought, oh, my God, all that stuff's going to require a lot of research on my part and I'm not going to do it. So why don't you just come on the show and then you can talk about it? Yes. So through saying that I'm a lore junkie of Dragon Age, I managed to weasel my way into a part on this fantastic show. Oh. Have you listened to the show? It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, basically, there's no real research because we know these games so well. We don't really have to do too much research. So I'm looking at your avatar and you've got your little headset on and, and you have a controller in your hand. So it seems like you are much of a gamer. Very much so. Very I've been much playing so? since the Atari days, even though it was before my time. That was actually the first system I got when I was about four years old and I've been playing ever since. You have a YouTube page? Yes, I do. I guess I should shamelessly plug that, shouldn't I? Oh, oh shamelessly plug away. <laughs> have you listened? Uh, no, seriously, have you listened to the show? Come on now. Yes, yes. I, 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 I've gotten through the first two episodes. I was going to do more, <laughs> and then but he quit. work gets in the way. <laughs> no, I, I am going to continue. But uh, it's the amazingly average gameplay of Anthony, which is kind of a mouthful, but I figured some alliteration would make it stick, and that failed horribly. <laughs> and I just do all sorts of stuff. Uh, playthroughs, reviews, guides, discussions, the whole nine yards. And I actually am currently almost done with my Dragon Age Inquisition playthrough and starting a Dragon Ball Xenoverse playthrough. That's what I that's what I was looking at. Sorry, my cat, if you can hear him, is right by the microphone now. But I'm seeing you've got like 50 parts of this Inquisition. Holy crap. I'm trying to do just about everything. Like I think my Dragon Age Origins and Awakening playthrough, I think, got into like a good 60, almost 70 parts. I try to cram in as much as I can, as well as like discussions of lore while playing for people who may not know. So you are the lore buff. Well, that's good because you're here to fill in some of the gaps that we've missed during the shows. One of the things you had mentioned via Twitter was the Black City. Yes. What exactly do you want people to know about that in particular? Well, there's there's a theory that's going around that a lot of people, uh, quite a few people seem to share. And it's something I've been thinking about since even the first Dragon Age Origins. It's where the story that's told from the Chantry about the Golden City and the, uh, the Gold City and the Black City involving the Maker. One thing, I appreciate the fact that they kind of threw religion in there. I know a lot of people are like, ugh, not enough of it. But, I mean, it's always an important part in a lot of different fantasy genres. I mean, even like Dungeons and & Dragons and Pathfinder, and I'm just letting my nerd flag fly. Nerd! Nerd! But, so, to have the Chantry and them have them sto their story, and of course, it's been so long and not everybody's been there, the story can get twisted. Nobody really knows the truth. So for him to say, even from the very beginning, they kind of set the stage saying that the Darkspawn are the result of the hubris of man. You had the Magisters who managed to pierce their way into what they thought was the Golden City. And, and the, the Maker was pissed, corrupted the Golden City, made it black, and then corrupted them to make them the first Darkspawn and then cast them back to Thetis. And from Dragon Age 2, the Legacy DLC, where we first meet Corypheus, he's just like, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. The first time 
we went there, or the, the time we went there and basically were condemned, it was black all along. So it's like conflicting stories and it's like, oh, wait a minute. And with what's going on with Red Lyrium and Dragon Age Inquisition, we found out that Red Lyrium is just normal Lyrium that's been contaminated with Darkspawn team. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of just like, uh, wow. Which then would lead us to believe that Lyrium is alive. Which is interesting in itself, because it means it's partially organic in order for it to be infected by the Dark Spontane. But what I find interesting is, all right, so we have Corypheus who's saying, when we breached into the city, it was always black, it was never gold. And then you have the Chantry's iteration of, oh no, you guys screwed it up and that's why it was corrupted. But then you have the introduction of Red Lyrium, and you remember in Dragon Age 2, when you go Bartrand and Varric into the Deep Roads, you see a primeval tie. To which they even explain this thing is like older than old. This basically transcends uh, most of time. We, we don't even know how old this place is. So either it could be a possible gap in lore or just maybe a continuity error, but that would lead, lead you to believe that the Red Lyrium rune that they find was before even the first blight. Which, but I feel like that's the impression they wanted us to have in that, too. Exactly. Which is interesting, because then it's like, okay, well, then how is that possible? If it came before the first blight, how did it get infected? How did it become the Red Lyrium rune in the first place? And that's why the theory that I, I've had, and some other people have also seemed to share, is the fact that the Black City was always the Black City. They never actually made it to the Gold City. Uh, when Dumont tricked them into breaching through the Fade into that area, they're actually breaking into a prison. The Black City was the Black City. And what was held there was basically a dark, evil, tainted force that was kind of imprisoned there. And that's how it got released, and that's how they became the first Dark Spawn and kind of spread it from there. My brain's melting. I'm really trying to follow this. So, (laughs) I don't even... Okay, the Black City itself, or the Golden City, whatever you want to call it, whichever side you believe, I guess, is this a physical place? It has to be because you went there in one of the DLC, right? No, you actually, you go into the raw fade, but you never actually make it into the Golden or the Black City. Okay, so where were we in Dragon Age 2, the DLC Legacy? Where were we during that? An outpost out in the middle of the desert, underground. Okay, so, but that's where you saw Corypheus, right? Yep. Yeah, but he was he was imprisoned by the Grey Wardens because they didn't know how to kill him. Okay, okay. Yeah, he couldn't be killed, so like, oh, the best thing we can do is contain him. Well, shit, and that's what they did. So the Grey Wardens didn't know how to kill him or whatnot, so Hawk comes in and thinks he kills him? Well, yeah, because what happens is, in that DLC, when you're going down, first off, you have the Carta who are being manipulated by Corypheus, they're the ones that kind of trick you into coming there. And when you go deep enough, what happens is it becomes magically sealed, kind of like a failsafe. Okay. And the only way to get out is to go through, in other words, to awaken Corypheus. Huh. So that's kind of what Hawk and Co. are kind of screwed over and stuck doing, is they have to go deeper and deeper until they eventually release Corypheus. And that's when the battle kind of goes down and they thought they killed Corypheus, but they were unaware of his true power. Wow, that almost sounds like it needed a giggity at the end of that. <laughs> I keep going giggity and releasing and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Road, stop typing. I'm not doing anything. What are you, why yes, are you, you always are. accusing me of things? Road? What? I know you. You know nothing. <laughs> I want to hear an argument from you somewhere. I am intrigued by the information. 
I mean, I, I like hearing other points of views, and these are kind of... The theories in and of themselves could hold weight, but it's kind of like trying to discern the nature of the Maker, whether the Maker exists or not. And we've already been told that we will never have that answer. Really? And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, they didn't... Uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was... Mark uh, Dara. Mark Dara, who yeah. actually said it. Yeah. He said, we will never either confirm nor deny the existence of the Maker, which I thought was really cool how they did that. Which, I mean, definitive answers are fine, but if you know everything, you'll never wonder. And if you don't wonder, where's the magic? It's it's kind of like, you know, if George Lucas were to, for some reason, decide that midichlorians no, no. were a good idea. <laughs> oh, that never happened. It didn't. Just like Spider-Man 3 never happened. <laughs> No, I just don't. I, I would like just X Men three not to exist or never to have happened. But I do like this because you can't take sides because you don't know whether or not the Maker exists. So the Templars could be and the Chantry could be right, or the people that don't say you know that exists. Well, this is the part where you allow yourself the the actual immersive quality of the universe itself. You know, even going back to referencing D anD D and Forgotten Realms, if you play, you can play a a cleric a devout cleric to a god, where your powers come purely from this celestial being that in that universe does exist. And you can do so as a player that has no belief in faith whatsoever. And the same thing in this realm, you know, you can be someone who in the real world does not support the aspects of real world faith, but you can believe that the Maker is something that exists, or you can believe that it doesn't. I mean, even playing as the Inquisitor itself, if you were to play from the aspect that you believe you are the Herald of Andraste, that you are the Chosen One by Andraste and the Maker from the, a realm beyond, that's perfectly fine. And then when the truth comes out, you may just go, well, that's an explanation, but I still believe what I believe, or you can be depressingly crushed and uh, ruin the hopes and dreams of everyone around you. <laughs> See, I can't play that way. I, I guess I'm not that good of a role player because I still have my own beliefs. Because there is a very prominent correlation between this religion in this game and, say, Christianity. Burned at the stake, hung on the cross. Martyrdom, and the maker. stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All, that, all that stuff. So, so my personal belief always comes into the choices I make in these games. And I kind of wish I could get out of that state of mind, but I just can't. So then there, you'd say that there's a fair amount of self-inserting when you do RPGs. That sounds so sexy, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> you know, it, allow yourself to be immersed in the world. In my first playthrough that I did off the record, uh, uh, <laughs> I went ahead and played through as a character that was supposed to be as much as I could, not only in just like looks, but also like personality and how it handles certain things. So when it came to that moment, I really appreciate how they handle this when it comes to like your stance on mages versus Templars, your stance on religion, your stance on being the Herald. They really left it a lot more up to you, especially in dialogue. And I thought that was great how they handled that. But when I had learned that that truth, it's like, oh, yeah, well, this is what happened. I was just like, well, you know what? People need to believe in something. <laughs> I, I like that they give you that middle of the road option as well. You sounded like there was something else you needed to say about that Black City, and I interrupted you. Briefly. Oh, no, no, it's fine. But, I mean, that, that was pretty much it for the most part about it being, like I said, a prison. It's still, no matter what, Tevinter was still a bunch of dicks. Because they decided, <laughs> you know what, we're going to go ahead and listen to this dragon god person. And we're going to go ahead and prove that we're more powerful than a possible god that exists or not. 
breached the fade and totally nothing's going to happen. It's all good. And kind of just doomed all of Thetis in the uh, process. Explain the, the Tevinter thing again, because all I hear when I hear Tevinter, this is all I take in is that they're badass mages. Uh, they, at their height of their power, pretty much controlled almost all of Thetis until the whole war with Andraste and the elves and so on. They were basically struck down for the most part because it became more of like a, a holy war. But you had seven magisters, if I'm not mistaken. Rogue could correct me probably on this if I'm wrong. And each of them worshipped one of the seven old gods. And Dumont, being hey. the oldest and most powerful of all of them, was the one that convinced Corypheus and the other magisters that it was a really good idea to go ahead and try and usurp God. As far as I'm aware, yeah, that's how it went. I mean, the one thing that is true in all versions of the story is to venture screwed up. <laughs> Look, man, you don't have to like the Black Priest or whatever the hell his name was. I forgot already. Uh, I think it was like the Black Divine. Black, Black Divine. Divine, that's it. There you go. I want to say the Black Cleric, and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> so wait, is that is that Dumont or whatever the Black Divine? I know no, the Black the Divine is the uh, the Tevinter version, it, it, yeah, okay. a version of the Divine where they believe that a man should be at the head of the church, not a woman, which is just wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man, well, man, man. Which I, I I thought that was actually kind of a uh, an interesting twist on making women the heads of the religion. Because Andraste. I like that because also when Dorian explains it, he's like, yeah, well, they wanted to make sure that this was absolutely the opposite of the divine, your divine. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay, yeah, it was, well. it was absolute spite, 110%. Yeah. But also another thing that I, I thought about this the first time I saw the architect, especially even more so meeting Corypheus in Dragon Age 2 uh, DLC, is the architect isn't just an intelligent darkspawn. He is also one of the magisters of old. That's also one of my theories. They're I, dressed the same. I mean, besides dress, I should say. I mean, that's that's kind of a stretch, but there's more to support that. Hmm. I, I'm kind of up in the air on that. I just know I like the architect because he is eloquent and all that, and he uses words instead of a uh, brawn. But well, Corypheus was supposed to be the most devout of all of Dumont's followers too. Corypheus was supposed to be extremely religious, and so you know it, it could have been that the architect may have just, when entering the Black City with everyone else, may have, you know, been there for more research purposes than for for anything else. You know, it could have been there out of blind curiosity. And it's not saying that any, you know, every magister from Tevinter is evil. That's not the case. You know, I mean, Dorian is a clear example of that being true. And... It, it could have just been, or, you know, there could have been the, uh, this, the common amnesia possibility where after whatever big event happened, you know, the pivotal big bang part of the Dragon Age storyline, it could have been that, uh, due to the immense magics being used, that maybe the architect's memory was wiped. And that allowed him the, pers you know, a different perspective. Believing that he was one of the Darkstone, believing that, you know, those were his people and it was his duty to save them. I mean, that's that's what I, I thought about too, because a lot of people are like, okay, well, when he explains it, he talks about being born, which could easily be a metaphor that he was either using or, un you know, unassumedly uh, kind of saying that <clears throat> that was the metamorphosis. He was, in a sense, reborn. That's He became a darkspawn, and it definitely could have been either amnesia because of the trauma from either the event or it became like a repressed memory or due to all the magic nonsense that was going on could have wiped his mind. I definitely agree with that. 
But one thing, like I said, definitely, I'm almost more than certain that the architect is one of the magisters of old and one of the first to darkspawn. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, you said Corypheus was the most devout of all these guys. Then why would he want to? So he just wants to lead the other old gods or something? What? I, I, I get so freaking confused. <laughs> what it was in Dragon Age 2 is he woke up in a time that was all sorts of wrong to him. Corypheus being the elder one, his motivation was he was basically like a pissed off child. He, okay. for the longest time, was the devote follower of Dumont. And when everything was twisted wrong and the Imperium has, uh, the Venture Imperium has fallen and is not what he remembers it, he's just pissed off because no matter how much praying and calling for help that he's trying to get, he's not getting any assistance. So it's kind of one of those, I can't hear you, therefore you must not exist and I'm angry. Uh So he wanted to go ahead, since he already made it to the Black City before, or what was supposed to be the Golden City, again with all that shenanigans going on, he decided he wanted to make that attempt again, but this time kind of sit at a seat of power and be, in a sense, the new god. That was his motivation, more or less. Okay, was there a part in there, or am I making this up, of trying to kill the Maker or something? No, because he, he's constantly saying that like the Maker doesn't exist. Right. He, yeah. he basically says like no gods really exist, and that's why he wants to use the power to become god. He actually he does kind of waffle, because I, I could have sworn there's a few times where he said he wanted to overthrow the Maker himself. Right. Near the end, he does the whole classic trailer phrase of, Call out to your Maker, for he does not exist. <laughs> Make up your mind, buddy. Well, I mean, he uh, he got there and saw no one sitting on the throne. The throne was empty. And so, to him, that probably meant that the Maker was never there. He's really holding... impatient, apparently. <laughs> which, 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 to me, was absolutely hilarious, because when he's holding the orb, he's basically just crying like a baby, and he's like, Oh, God, Dumont, creators, anybody, just prove to me you exist. Help me. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's using an item of power from a civilization that predates his own. Yeah, that couldn't go wrong, no. I'm trying to get this straight. Did you guys answer me, or did I, did I mess it up where... The black or golden city, whichever one. Is it a real place? You can see it when you're in the fade, but you can't trust what you see in the fade. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm throwing that out of the window, that fact. I'm thinking it's just a metaphor for heaven. Well, yeah, that's kind of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And they tainted heaven. Was, yes. was the, the Chantry tries to tell people. So then when he saw the throne, where is he seeing this freaking throne? That's what I'm wondering too, because when I don't uh, did he did he specifically say that he saw the throne road? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I remember he said that he breached there, and it was the the city was already black. Uh, I didn't, I know that much, but like I said, I think if anything, it was more of like a, a prison than it was supposed to be what he was looking for. Okay, I think this is what happened. He got a hold of some mushrooms, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and they were tainted mushrooms. All right, and he had a hell of an evening. That's what happened. And then he woke up a dark spawn. <laughs> He was, fell in the bathroom, woke up, and he was like, "Oh, it's the throne, man. It's empty. Nobody's there." You know, maybe it, maybe it is that the black city was always black, and that maybe the lights were just off. It, it could be that maybe there was some kind of darkness that had been locked away there. They didn't pay the electric bill. <laughs> yeah, by the uh, the previous civilizations, it could have been some kind of because their history's lost, so they have no idea. And it could be that you know the darkspawn taint was locked away in this city, and then a couple of, you know, jackass magisters went, Hey guys, what's going on? I'm opening the doors! And that's when, you know, crap hit the fan. 
they released whatever was trapped in there, they let, you know, the portal that they had opened into our world was still open, and whatever power was rushed through there and tainted them at the same time. So basically exactly. a lazy magister who, who was just like, hey, I want to let some light in because nobody paid the bill, and he just left the door open. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's basically the, the theory that I've come up with, that it was meant to try and hold this evil. They didn't know about it. Dumont probably didn't even know about it. And just like, yeah, just go ahead and get in there. Just take care of it. <laughs> and they did, and then just like, well, look what happened now. Good job. And I mean, it could it could very well be that, you know, that uh, like certain other characters that we have come across in the game, that Dumont and the other old gods that the Tevinter Imperium worshipped weren't actually gods themselves, but were beings of immense power that predated no, you know, known civilizations even then, because we have no idea how old this world is. We could very well be seeing, you know, kind of in a, in a very Mass Effect way, the next iteration of a, a cycle. And, you know, it maybe not be lasting 50,000 years, and, you know, the Darkspawn could be Dragon Age's version of Reapers. You know, it could just be this cycle that's repeating itself over and over and over again. And the previous master civilization locked away the Darkspawn taint until the the first iteration of powerful beings, aka the Magisters, kicked open the doors and let it out because they were ignorant. Exactly, because like I said, the primeval Tig already pre-existed most of what the dwarves knew of their own civilization, and you had that primeval rune and also the whole theory with the Dark City and the possibility of them breaking in and unleashing the evil that was locked there, it had to come from some place from some time before. So I absolutely agree with that. And I thank you for bringing up, like, I guess it would be like the next, next subject, which would be like, who are gods and who are not? So, I mean, we don't know whether or not the Maker truly exists. We'll never know because that's the way they intend, and I'm absolutely cool with that. But then you have, like, the creators. Yeah, you know, Mythal, Fenhero, right, right. and... Probably butchered that because I'm terrible at saying fantasy. Ben Haral, I think. Ben Haral, there you go. The two don't feel bad. <laughs> I, I agree with Rhoda. I think that if anything, like the creators, for instance, or even the old gods, were just beings of immense power. Because uh, as far as the old gods are concerned, it's not even, at least not that I've seen so far. I haven't read the World of Thetis, and we have the World of Thetis two coming out soon. Mm-hmm. But it's never been truly confirmed that the only form that the old gods take are dragons. It just says that they take on that form. That's another thing, too, right there. What makes the dragons old gods? You know, there's nothing necessarily saying that the dragons themselves were, you know, that there's a dragon named Dumont. They could have just said, you know, go back to Dragon Age Origins. You've got a cult of dragon worshippers that named a dragon Andraste. It never at any point was Andraste. What very well could have done is there could have been, you know, beings of powers, like certain characters that we haven't gotten across to spoiling yet in uh, the show. <laughs> um, but it could have been, you know, very much a situation like that, and then for one reason or another, they had to disappear, or maybe they were wiped out by some of the other people posing as gods, or possibly actually were gods. And, uh, you know, when these worshippers went looking for their gods, what they found instead were dragons. But maybe the old gods, the ones that are, you know, every time they uh, are tainted, they become the archdemon and lead the blight to try to wipe out all of civilization. Maybe these dragons that have gone underground to, you know, sleep for 
how, who knows how long, maybe these dragons are actually the next stage above high dragons, which we frequently murder, and these are the <laughs> dragons of actual intelligence. Maybe these are the old dragons, the ones that actually had intelligence themselves, that were able to speak and possibly assume these identities, or had these identities assumed unto them, and knowing what was going on in the world, knowing of their own immense power, knowing that this Darkstawn taint is something that could destroy them, they too went underground and decided to sleep until the next age. Yeah, I mean, which is definitely a great theory, because if you look at it from either perspective, it still kind of leads down the same road. Yeah. You have either, like you discussed, where they were always dragons, but they were just very intelligent dragons, because at one point, Dumont was around, I mean, Corpheus was able to see Dumont, and he, they were able to see the other old gods, which either took the form of dragons, or they always were dragons, but either way, Dumont was the only one that really kind of spoke to him, because Dumont's the one that told them, well, one, taught him how to use blood magic, and then two, said, hey, it'd be a good idea to kind of ransack the Golden City in the first place. So, I mean, there was some kind of communication between those magisters and those powerful beings, or even dragons in themselves but yeah they never really say which is which but either way it still led to the same grim fate that also throws a monkey wrench now that i think about it into the architect's philosophy on the whole darkspawn thing because yeah. he wanted to go ahead and have everybody like in the calling yeah be the kind of darkspawn gray warden human hybrids mm -hmm. and wanted to go ahead and work with you in awakening to try and put an end to further blights by wow i just lost by, by making everyone immune to the taint right? yeah by making everybody immune yeah. to the taint but also making uh dark spawn intelligent so by doing so he said all right we can circumvent all blights going forward otherwise we have an endless cycle but it wouldn't be an endless cycle because blights only happen when an old god becomes tainted and we've already killed five of them suddenly leaves two more left and there's no more blights so you're thinking that one of the theories is that people just believe some of these dragons that just happen to be higher or uh, higher up in the total pole than high dragons could be the old gods. So they just named them whatever they wanted. Yeah, they revered them as old gods. Either way, the idea is they're just very powerful, either creatures or possibly beings taking the form of dragons, either or, until we figure it out. They are not, at least as far as I'm guessing what Road believes as well as what I believe, is they're not actually gods' gods. They're just playing as such. Are you the one that named their cat Ogryn, by the way? Yes. That's kind of like, that, that's what led me to that. I think that is adorable. But yeah, they had a pet dragon and they're like, okay, we're going to call him, you know, Andraste. All right, here you go. And their whole religion was spun up around that. Yeah, because I mean, when anybody's powerful enough, we see this in sci-fi and fantasy. When something is far more advanced than ourselves, we tend to revere them as gods. When that may not always be the case. Just like my theory on the elven creators and them not actually being gods that they are just overwhelmingly powerful beings or even mages kind of like storm and the x-men where there were the people in africa thought she was a goddess because she could control the weather exactly <laughs> stuff like that can easily lead people to turn to religion for an explanation hmm. road i concur i have nothing to add <laughs> Is this unusual? I mean, it is uh, unusual. Usually, uh, yeah, I'll pause and I'm like, okay, road, and then he jumps right in. But he sounds like he's thinking, and this is scary to me. Well, here's the thing, is I'm not necessarily someone who you could say is a, a person of faith in the real world. Right. But I love role-playing games. Uh, I grew up with religion, and 
fantasy religion fascinates me. Religion as a whole fascinates me. I like religion, I just don't practice it. And <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because I played clerics in uh in D&D, uh devout clerics, which meant, you know, going into the nitty-gritty of their actual religious beliefs. That way when you try to make an argument in a role-play setting, you need to actually know the tenets of your god in order to argue them. Yeah, I've made that mistake playing as a paladin before. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm a paladin of Rain. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> exactly. See? So, I do like looking into the theology of games like this, especially something that's so well done, that leaves so much room for you to consider what may or may not be true. And, you know, unlike D&D, there is no definite answer, at least on the most likely case that a god either does or does not exist, being the maker. But as far as the old gods go, I mean, it's not uncommon for a religion to be based on an outdated belief or a misunderstanding. And there's nothing saying that believing the maker is not necessarily one of those cases as well. That, you know, Andraste herself was actually just a complete badass and they built a religion around her because of it. You know, that's entirely possible. As far as the old gods go, I mean, we really only have limited amounts of information on what they really could have been. And that's not even taking into effect, you know, the dwarves in their own form of religion in respecting their ancestors and believing they gain power and favor from their ancestors, whereas some of them do it purely by ceremony and others do it purely by belief. You know, it's... The entirety of... Thetis has an amazing, amazing array of religions, or just faith structures, not even necessarily religions. And I mean, that definitely fascinates me as well, because in a sense, it's a lot like real life. So we have different aspects of fantasy, but also things that kind of re reflect what's even going in our current state in the real world, because we have all different forms of religion and belief systems available here as well. I draw that correlation as well, and I, I feel like I'm uncomfortable even talking about it because I'm like, well, there's so many, you know, parallels between this and real life and I'm always <laughs> uncomfortable with it. Because <laughs> I'm like, nobody knows. But then there are people out there that say, no, I know for sure. And then another side, no, I know my side's for sure. Well, here's the thing is that unlike the real world, this game is built from stem to the top purely on enjoyment. And yeah. you don't <laughs> have to talk about the real world stuff to consider the in-game stuff. I have to remind myself of that then. Yeah, it is important to make that disconnect. <laughs> Otherwise, it leads to a bad time. Yep. Well, uh, you're going to have a bad time. But you you know there are people out there that are, uh, there's have to be people that are saying, oh, this is talking about religion. Very, very, um, I don't want to say anything politically incorrect. Very religious people. I'm thinking of my sister-in-law in particular. <laughs> <laughs> would be like, my children, if they get old enough to play this game, they will never play it because it's just horrible. It's bringing into question things. I'm like, no, it's not the same. People will take it way too serious. I mean, even the debate of mages versus Templars, I I've gotten into what I thought at first were polite discussions involving a lot of the ideologies of both sides and how neither are right or wrong and more times right. not you'd be surprised how many times i get flamed or like insulted oh it's you should sympathize for mages because mages are like these people in real life and i'm like wait what <laughs> well see i like that that argument more first of all because i love arguing with road about it <laughs> even though i i'm one of the types of people that believe in both sides you know i can see 
the faults and uh, the good parts about both sides, but I like arguing with Rogue. That's the fun part. And, and arguing with people is great, but going to the the extent what some people do online where they take it so serious and they just draw so so many parallels to real life, they try to bring that into the mix and ends up becoming like, unfortunately, some debates or even discussions, we don't just flat out attacks and, and arguments. Luckily here at QGN, we don't do that. We will never, ever do that on purpose. So all of our, our debates are always fun for anybody that's always there listening and wants to argue with us. We don't take it seriously. That's just a, the more you know. <laughs> kind of yeah yeah because it is just a game first of all i see these games as i said before i see these games as the x-men really with the templars and the mages because the mages are obviously the the mutants and uh templars are everybody else that is trying to protect uh normal people i mean x-men are awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then you've got cases where you know someone goes completely insane and wipes out an entire city because he can. Magneto! I wasn't gonna say Magneto at all, I was gonna say, uh, I've already forgotten his name, but his superpower is blowing up. Oh, Nitro? Look guys, I can blow- yeah, exactly, Nitro. Damn, I'm good! When he wipes out, you know, right on point, he's fighting a bunch of uh, the new warriors and ends up blowing up an entire city, and Ground Zero is an elementary school. I mean, come on. Which led to an awful, awful civil war. Yeah, it did. It did. You're also a comic fan, obviously. Oh, yes. I'm definitely more in the Marvel camp than DC. Good, good. As uh, you should. Here. Another brownie point for you. Oh, hey, let's see. The cast of Dragon Age Origins. Who is the Marvel version of the original DA party? Alistair, Wynn, Sten. Man, that's, that's hard, actually. Ah. See, that, she did not give me any opportunity to, to work this one. She wanted me to form a band out of Dragon Age characters. I do. Uh, that's later. I'm, I'm ready for that, though. That's later. Me too. <laughs> she told me five minutes before the show. Now I know. Might as well go on to that one. Now, do you want to do it like you uh, do your top five on another show where we go from five, then four, and three, and just go through all the uh, different roles? Is that how you want to do it? Because I've got roles dictated. <laughs> Damn. I even have a name for the band. And now for the Dragon Age Band. The Dragon Age Battle of the Bands. And when they're done playing, they kill each other. That's horrible. Hey, look, Last Man Standing forms a new band. It's it's, it's a complete possibility. With the people I picked for my, uh, my band, yes, that is definitely a possibility. Okay, so I saw this on the Bioware forums, and this is from Maddie F. And she had said, so here's a little thought cycle I've been wanting to share. If each Dragon Age Inquisition character played an instrument, what would it be? Why? I had twisted that because on the way to work afterward, I read this question. I thought, remember that American Dad episode where they were putting Star Wars characters into a band? Why don't we do that with Dragon Age characters? And then, of course, you know, when I saw this question, I was like, oh, serendipity, we should actually talk about this. So I have not made my list except for one, but you guys have had a little bit of time to think about it. What, What do you say? Well, it depends on what kind of style band we're talking about. Well, that's what I was going to say. Let's pick a genre. If we were talking 80s rock, no matter what genre, you'd have to have Varric on saxophone. (laughs) It could be a metal band, Varric on saxophone. So what you're saying is now we need someone to put a mod in of Varric doing the epic sax thing. Epic sax guy, yes. Yeah, there we go. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. Gotta have a lead singer, guitarist, bass player, drums, and... um, Keyboardist, maybe. Lead singer, I would have to say either male or female, Sarcastahawk. Because <laughs> okay. they're totally the prima donna I could totally see being so full of themselves as the lead singer that they're the most important member of the band and everybody else can just whatever. <laughs> okay. All right, then I'll do uh, my lead vocals then. Uh, notice how I said lead vocals, because that's the direction <laughs> we're going here. 
Uh, and also, I picked the uh, the genre of Viking rock, because Viking rock is badass. Oh my god, Viking rock is amazing! Alright, so uh, for lead vocals, I put Iron Bull in. Because in a real rock band, vocals are just part of the band, and he knows how to direct everyone else to get the best performance possible. Not to mention, that gravelly voice, of course he'd make an amazing Viking rock singer. You guys are both wrong, it's Dorian, because he's <laughs> Freddie Mercury. He is Freddie f***ing Mercury. How is that gonna work out? Is, is he gonna be like, uh, not even Freddie Mercury, I was- He's Freddie Mercury! He is Freddie Mercury. I've made this joke on several occasions too. <laughs> My cat agrees, he just raised his paw, he was like, Freddie! Alright, fair <laughs> enough. But uh, also on chorus, because this is Viking rock and you've gotta have the chorus in there, Liliana Stand. and the Sisters. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. That sounds more like a wham band or anything. <laughs> no, no. You need, you need to listen to some Viking rock. Hear how it goes. It's awesome. So metal at one moment, then you have, like, the siren song next. Exactly. Yes, he knows. That sounds kind of awesome, actually. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I almost thought you were actually going to say Sten for the lead vocals of the Viking metal band. Oh, my God. This sounds like <laughs> the most boring band ever. <laughs> Sten. No, that's the thing. You like you okay. totally expect him to be calm, and then he comes under the mic, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. See, I'm not into screamo though. Nah, that's not. That's that's like heavy metal, not Viking rock. Viking that's rock, true. Basically. That's true. They're not the same. Uh, Liz, who do you have for vocals? Oh, for backup oh, right, vocals. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have backup vocals, I really don't want Liliana touring around with us. But I think that's a good idea. I would also have Cullen in there. No, you know what? Cullen oh, no. is my bassist because the bassist is always the hot guy. He's just there so that everybody can look at him. Or the broody one, which is why I was going to say either Fenris or Anders. Oh, oh my, Fenris! Oh, that's good! On oh, bass. that's good! Yeah, it's Fenris. Oh, you're right. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I like All it. right. <laughs> How about next up, drums? Sarah. Who did you say? Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, I picked Sarah also. I can totally see her as the crazy drummer. Just like, Hell yeah. <laughs> she, she'd be like, uh, oh, who was it? The, the former drummer of, uh, was it X-Japan? The one that broke his spine in the middle of performance because he was drumming so hard. But yeah, in the middle of a performance, just she completely just destroys the drum set, kicks him over, flips everyone off, walks out off stage. Yeah, that's the drummer. <laughs> On guitar. Who do we have for guitar? I would say Alistair. Yeah, I was actually thinking yeah. that too. Um, he's a good front man, you know. Hey, everybody. And he's very, you know, he's got that personality. He's got a showbiz personality. All right, well, I put Blackwall. I was kind of thinking that as well, as either mm -hmm. Alistair or Blackwall. Because he looks the part. That beard. <laughs> that beard. <laughs> that beard. Playing guitar. Oh my god, somebody draw Blackwall doing ZZ Top. Oh my god, that would be <laughs> Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Alright, bass. Who do you have on bass? Oh, that was Fenris. That was amazing. Yeah. Alright. It, it has to be somebody broody, so it either have to be Anders or Fenris. I think I win this one again then. Cassandra. Oh. Come on. She could shred. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Probably see her more as bass than guitarist, too. That actually would make a bit more sense. She might be the one in my my band, because now we have separate bands. Um, in my band, she would probably be one of the backup singers only because she wouldn't fit anywhere else. And I'm like, okay, if you have to come along, fine. You can blend in with everybody else. <laughs> mm. Cole on the keyboard. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, keyboard I hadn't even really taken into consideration because it doesn't fit with theme of mine, but 
if we had to have one, which actually, no, I, I take that back, because there's a, uh, a pretty awesome rock band out of Finland, because Finland. Finland, Finland, Finland. That had a keyboardist on there. Cole, I guess I could kind of see, because, you know, it wouldn't fit every song, so it's easy to forget that he's not there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kinda, I'm glad you got that joke. I was, I was, I was waiting for some. <laughs> Notice how I forgot to even try to include it, so, you know, it works. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Or guitar. Because uh, <laughs> now I'm thinking course, wham in the 80s. Varric on saxophone. Varric on saxophone. The genre. See, that sounds amazing. I, no, I have Varric as part of the band, but I have him as the songwriter. Because he, not only, he looks really eccentric, he's a great writer, and you know what? He doesn't like to be in the forefront of everything. So... Being on the, you know, being backstage and just listening to his words being used and enjoyed by everyone, that's more fair. And the, yeah. the manager slash PR person obviously would be um, Josephine. Yeah, that's why I have his manager, because she manages the Inquisition. Come on. Yeah, she does have more connections than Varric was. So I actually think Varric is as band manager, but no, songwriter, he can't, he can't be both. He'd be the skeevy kind of uh, the manager that would only get you in dives in Kirkwall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but he can have... get you into any dive. Girl. Exactly. But you'd never hit the big time with him, and eventually you'd have to, like, break it off with him, go get a, a proper manager like Josephine, and that's where your band would become a bit more mainstream, and then the, uh, you know, the documentary of your band's career would come out, <laughs> written by Varric, so it would paint you as, a, well, a general douchebag, and it'd make him look yeah. great and abused. Well, no, the, the best douchebag, though, just like he did for Hawk. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it works out well. Um, so, on here, I also put head of security, and I wanted to hear you guys uh, argue this out first before I gave my answer. Either Shale, because, I mean, come on, who's going to mess with the golf? I, I could see her as being, like, the bouncer at the front door, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily say... No, go ahead. Uh, so, go ahead. Why? Well, like I said, mostly just because of stature and who the hell's going to mess with the golem. Or Aveline. I think we're all thinking Aveline. <laughs> that's a good one. All right, Liz, who do you have? I would say that's where I put Blackwall. All right. I was thinking Krem. <laughs> because Krem knows how to take control of the situation without being told. But will, of course, ask for permission to kick someone's face in. Knowing the answer from Iron Bull is, of course, going to be yes. I guess the only reason why I'd pick Aveline is because, one, she worked her way up to guard captain by kicking ass and taking things under control. And there's already so many jokes of her basically being, like, the den mother and the one <laughs> reining everybody in. So who better to take control of the situation with security than Aveline? All right, now, I gotta ask. Say we're playing, you know, at uh, the courtyard of, of the Inquisition stronghold. Okay. Who's selling tickets? Isabella, because she just sells them out of her boobs. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely somebody. <laughs> She's a groupie, though. She was she made groupie in my group. <laughs> <laughs> or it'd be Meryl. She's just, she's just like so innocent. People uh, can't. <laughs> I, I can see Meryl scalping. She would scalp. <laughs> She'd be scalping. <laughs> I was gonna say Anders is the ticket seller because he's put in a little box somewhere where I don't have to see him and thus don't have to acknowledge that he's still living. You would have him there at all is is a problem. I thought he was already dead with a knife in his back somewhere. Oh! That was the main playthrough. I mean, you know, in the present playthrough, he's still alive. I just hate him with a passion. And really, <laughs> that's his community service. That's how he's going to make it up. In the most demeaning place possible, where a bunch of rock fans are going to be like, Screw you! Give me my ticket! And then they push the box over and kick him in the face. 
But then he's also the guy as he's like giving out the tickets on the back of the tickets. He's got little portions of his manifesto written on the back. Of it. It's just, <laughs> don't need that. Don't need that. Fair enough. All right. So I guess the best question in this is, what's your band name gonna be? We'll start with you, Andy. No, kick somebody else. Bad All right, name. Liz. <laughs> I, 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 Andrassi's tits. I don't know. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is that what you're going with too? The sodding nug kickers. Ah! All right. As for my answer, Iron Dragon, you heathens. Come on. Oh, that's what he wanted in his name. When he realized that's what his name <laughs> should have been instead of Iron Bull, he's like, F*** it. I'm going to go start a band and that's going to be my name. <laughs> yes. The entire purpose for the band was just so that he could have his name as Iron Dragon. Would there be any song names in there? I would want to... Song names? One of the names of my songs to be uh, Get Out of My Mouth. Because I love it when Sarah says that. <laughs> I think it was like raisins, raisins. Oh, get out of my mouth. <laughs> then she started making freedom cookies. <laughs> I like her banter between her and uh, Blackwall. I have very odd groups, but Blackwall's actually kind of funny uh, when he gets around Iron Bull and Sarah. Anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's almost as bad, though, as if you have Varric, Iron Bull, and Dorian. A lot of their banter involves their junk. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> so, so that would be your hit, then. That'd be your hit's name. Your hit uh, you, Yeah, your hit song. That There's yours. So, uh, you got one, Anthony? Uh, no. I suck at this. I just, I literally just thought of one. Fading Away. Oh, God! And that would be the song they play as they're going into the Fade Rift. God! <sighs> like the Inquisitor, like you know, has his hand open, and that's how they end the show. Is that they get sucked into the fade? Yeah. The encore is they open up a, a fade rift, and then the Terror Demon comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and then it grabs the mic and just starts going full on screamo. <laughs> yeah, they, they pull a guar. <laughs> oh, god! Instead of it being a giant monster prop, it actually is just a Terror Demon that comes out. The Iron Dragons. <laughs> I like it. I... Okay, anyway. Alright, is there anywhere else we can dig this hole? The person in charge of lights, maybe. That's about it. Oh, uh, oh, the roadie. Yeah, the roadie. How could we forget the roadie? Ah, oh, Jack Black would be so disappointed. See, the roadie I was thinking either be Cassandra or Iron Bull, because Iron Bull can definitely carry all that equipment with ease. See, that's where you put Sten. That's where you put the people, yeah. With the... Oh, yeah, Sten. Sten yeah. Too. That's where Ogren goes. Sorry, I mean, he's he's basically passed out on the bus. Yeah. Like, the whole time. Ogren's not doing anything but getting wasted. He's the he's the friend that's hanging out backstage. The group like of- waiting for the chicks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the friend of the band. That's his only real affiliation to them. That's that's what he does. He's the guy that hides the pot when the police come by. <laughs> <laughs> he just twists it into his beard. Is that what you're saying? That's yeah, where he hides basically. the contraband. Yeah. It's just full of lyrium. That's why it's actually red. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's the direction we've gone with this episode. He, he gives everybody the best deep mushroom. <laughs> oh, Ew, no. that sounds so gross. Yeah, I actually meant the herb, but that also can go another way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. I like it. Uh, 
Oh, I'm trying to get this over with because, well, not over with. I'm trying to get through this because I know you have somewhere to be, Anthony. Uh, there were some other theories that you wanted to discuss. <laughs> and then we went on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> it was mostly the Gold Black City uh, and the gods. Like, one thing that was mentioned in terms of the creators possibly not even being gods is the fact that Mythal was betrayed and supposedly killed. Like, Abelus, uh, I believe is how his name's pronounced even said Mothal was killed. And they're like, wait, what? How do you kill a god? And he's like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you fell for my trap. Exactly. Okay. Well, evidently you don't. Well, no, because she managed to find a way to survive. But in the same vein, if we're talking about not being able to die makes you a god, look at Corypheus. Or even the old gods. They found ways to circumvent death. Well, then for the why were all the, all the old elves, because they said they were immortal and yet they're all dead, uh, why didn't they consider themselves all gods? That's kind of an interesting thing, is obviously they've lost the secrets of their their immortality when their civilization fell. And it could have been that there was some kind of font of power, because we know that the elves are, you know, fond of stuff like that, uh, such as the well that we haven't gotten time to talk about yet. But it could have been that their font of power was tainted or destroyed or... You know, they were betrayed from within, and someone absorbed it all and became all-powerful, or, you know, it, it, there could have just been a lot of things. But when their civilization... Obelisk actually mentions that. If you actually go through the right of uh, the right of Mythal, which is a horrible, horrible puzzle... Oh, I <laughs> loved it! Are you kidding? I liked it! it I am, I'm off at puzzles, which is why I made a guide for people, and it's, like, probably one of my <laughs> videos, because other people are done with puzzles like me. That's like the people who hate the Astrariums. I love those things. I, I like some of those, but some of those are absolutely torture. There's one I remember I spent like at least a, almost a good hour trying to... Right. <laughs> the most time I spent on any of them was 10 minutes. Well, good for you, Road. <laughs> I'm just saying. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, when you do the Rhythm Thal and you speak to Obelisk for the first time and you can go ahead and decide to work with him. That's at least what I did. If you have Dorian with you, Dorian brings up the fact like, oh, I thought Javinter was the reason why the Anderfels, uh were destroyed and the whole ruin of elven civilization. And Obelisk is like, no, are you dumb? He's like, we fought with ourselves, and that's kind of what led to our downfall. And Which makes more sense, honestly. It, by destroying their own civilization, they gave room for the dumb humans to try to be like, oh, we're the top dogs now, and the Tevinter being the most... Mm, advanced of the humans were able to step up and just like a lot of religions like to say they were the ones that brought down x society because their society is far more righteous the Tevinter were able to say that they were the most powerful and they demonstrated that by destroying the elves which actually destroyed themselves so that would mean that you know they could use that information that they falsified on other nations which allowed them to gain power, because sure, they're going to end up fighting with some of the nations, but some of the nations are going to go, wow, these guys destroyed the elves. If they destroy the elves, we don't stand a chance. We give up. It's just like that douche during the Wyvern Hunt and Chateau Hain, who's like, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to take credit for this alpha kill that you just got. Everybody's going to love me. Yeah. <laughs> Deventer is the, du the douche from... Chateau Hain, basically. But yeah, and from what Ablis even said, he's just like, you know what? He's like, I don't even think the creators really were creators. I think they were just powerful beings because how can you, how can you, uh, Mythal was betrayed and killed. You question how can a god be killed? And he's like, yeah, exactly. 
So even he's not really fully in belief of the creators and all that, even though he still works and looks over the Well of Sorrows in Mythal's temple, oddly enough. I do kind of like the idea that these civilizations are actually declining in knowledge and technology as time goes on. Well, and the, the funny thing is because it's the same underlying theme. It's hubris. They become too powerful, they don't know what to do with it, and they end up being their own undoing. Just like the Elvon Empire way back when, just like the Deventer Imperium at its peak of power. It's like, who's going to fall next? Orle. Because Orle. I, I just want Orle to... Because Orle is already on the edge of falling apart anyway. Yes. Because Orle. And it could happen to nicer people. <laughs> and then Antiva is going to rise up as most powerful ones, because why the hell not? And then we all know how Antiva works. They're just going to kill each other. Yeah, well, it sounds like Antiva is wannabe Orle. <laughs> you know? And, and then the Riviani are just like, yeah, screw you, I've got a boat. Ravani, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm on a boat! Meanwhile, Ferelden, you know, still in the process of rebuilding over these uh, several decades later after, you know, Inquisition ends and all that good stuff happens, hopefully. We'll find out in future DLC, I'm sure. Uh, Ferelden will rise up and take power over the world, and they'll be the one that sustains and moves on, because Ferelden. Yeah, Ferelden for life. <laughs> I, I, this is just how I want things to end. I just want Alistair to be, like, the best king that ever happened, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I have nothing else to go on with that. And, and Liz to be banging him every day? I mean, I guess in your game, but that doesn't make it the good one. So, no, sorry. but you don't want to be king, so I might as well, you know, make him king and then bang him. Yeah, well, if I were king, then Alistair wouldn't be king. And uh, you said wrong. you didn't want to be king, so... Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I could do a better job than Alistair. So you can be but... in my kingdom. You can be my subject. Hey, hey. Alistair wasn't that bad. He wasn't. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying I could do a better Everybody job. Everybody loves Alistair. I really think that Alistair is, is, is a widely loved character. And it's it's funny, too, because everybody thinks he's so inept as a ruler that you either have to have an aura or have an aura with Alistair, but at least in the comics, they show that he is very capable. Absolutely. Not only just as an individual, but also as a leader. Well, it's also, you know, the greatness thrust upon him. Uh, giggity, and yeah, the quote <laughs> itself is is true. Trial by fire, forged in war. Nerd. <laughs> war. War never changes. What is it good and for? And then in Fallout 2, you actually see the horseman, and he's like, you know what? I'll show those people. I can change. I'm gonna kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to hear Ro rage about something. I have nothing to rage about. I think Anders was the best character in the <gasps> Dragon Age series. But see, I can't even take that seriously. <laughs> because I can't say it seriously. What? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to so, go for okay. things that can maybe be considered more offensive. Uh, I think Krem is a horrible character. <laughs> <laughs> I don't God. think you want to go that oh, direction. God, no. I'm just putting that out oh, there. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dragon Age is doing this ultimate party. Your ultimate party. How about that? Who would be in your ultimate party? And we'll probably leave off after that. No. Uh. I, I couldn't even do all those because there's just too many choices. Like they had me choosing between Isabella and, and Varric. And I'm like, you can't make me do that. The, the Isabella and Varric one was, was a tough choice. But I would have gone with Sebastian just for looks alone. But that's just me. Rode, your ultimate party. Uh, Not Anders. Not, not Anders. Ultimate party would probably be the Warden, the Inquisitor, and uh, Mage Hawk. Just going around killing all the things. You know what? That's not fair. That's cheating. No, it's totally fair. You asked for my ultimate party, and that's my ultimate party. All right. Ultimate party, four people. You have the choice of either Warden, Hawk, or Inquisitor, and then any three people from any of the other three games as far as the other, just like standard companions. Tank, Rogue, and Mage. 
Oh, okay. We are just going to go tank Rogue and Mage? Oh, well, okay. it narrows it down. All right. So I'll say Warden as the leader. Okay. Uh, for the Rogue, Varric. For the Mage, Dorian. And then for the Warrior tank, um, I have to go Ogren. Mm, let's see. I see, wanted to say Cassandra, but Ogren. No, the well, answer she's, is Alistair. She's busy being the Divine, so we can't bother Cassandra. See, I'll take that. I will take that. <laughs> There's my excuse to have Ogryn. Okay, okay. Mine, obviously, Alistair. I, I think Hawk from Dragon Age 2. Sarcastic Hawk. I like that one. Mage. Holy shit. I always think I'm the mage. Well, I guess I'd bring Anders just for eye candy. And Rogue, yeah, again. Uh, so, no, I wouldn't choose Sebastian. Anthony, disapproval, minus 50. Sarah, uh, for my Rogue. I'm having a problem coming up with a Rogue on this one, honestly. But, because I'm thinking, like, ability in the game. Like, I liked... I guess Sarah's abilities were the best because I didn't like any short-ranged dagger rogues. I didn't really like the rogue gameplay in DA2. DA1, I hate Liliana in a good way. I mean, I, I like that I hate her. And Zevron was, you know, close range, so... And the bastard said he was great at everything but couldn't pick locks. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was one of the things that got me. That's why I never used him. Unless, like, I, you know, leveled up a lot and then I was able to just yeah. fully load him out, but... Oh, let's see. Uh, I would probably have to go for my warrior. I would go Fenris because he's his level of snark and disdain for other human beings is just <laughs> or other living beings. I shouldn't say human necessarily. Other living beings is just fun for me. Uh, the warden would obviously be the party leader. The mage would be Morrigan. Uh, so that means we'd have to babysit while we're at it, which I'm I'm perfectly okay with in that situation. Flemeth is a built-in babysitter. She's the grandmother. That's yep. true. Yeah, we could go on adventures and just leave him with uh, Grandma. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a future episode. But uh, <laughs> And as for my... Who else was I? Rogue? Is that the one I was left with? I don't want to take yeah, Varric yeah. because Varric is busy writing books for Cassandra. And Cassandra right. needs to not go insane being the Divine. So <laughs> we can't do that. Um, Sarah, I feel like... Mm, she's got the whole... Red Jenny thing to do, so yeah, that that's also out. Isabella, no, she's off with Hawk somewhere, I'm sure, probably. Oh, wow. Uh, Zevran. After we just said how awful. Yeah, but if you had to have one. No, but... Yeah, see, okay, yeah. We could have Zevran there. And of course, it, it'd be Warrior Warden, too. You need to specify that. Warrior Warden. This is true. Yes, Warrior Warden. Uh, because Warrior Warden. But, yeah, I, I think I just want the interactions between Fenris and Zevran. And, you know, because just picture those two having full-length conversations while Morgan and the Warden are up there just talking to each other, not really giving a crap about it. would just be constantly Zevran annoying the hell out of Fenris. Constantly. It'd be hilarious. And eventually they try to kill each other. Imagine the snark fight between Morgan and Fenris. How about Morgan and Meryl? No, you want to talk about, like, fighting... Uh... Oh, you thought Anders and Fenris were bad. Imagine Morrigan and Fenris. <sighs> See, what I really want to happen is just Meryl and Anders both to go off somewhere and just mage the crap out of each other. And I don't mean that in a productive <laughs> way. I mean, they just use magic together in a very uh, comically explosive way. Mutually assured destruction. Away from chantries. I approve. Uh -huh. You know, Meryl goes off and goes, Yay, blood magic, I found another mage. 
And then she gets infested by some stupid demon that's going, Yes! Another stupid blood mage! And then he gets freed. And then you've got Vengeance going, Kill the blood mage! And then they both explode on each other and wipe out Vengeance and the demon all at the same time. Everyone's happy! A happy ending would be everybody getting along in a big orgy. God, why don't you people think? <laughs> that happened in Dragon <sighs> Age Origins. We've already had that scene. Yeah, but they, they didn't happen again, and I'm very disappointed. Well... <laughs> Reasons. Reasons, my butt. I'm kind of sad that it didn't. The Inquisition didn't end with like everybody partying and having a good time, and then like you see a shadowy figure kind of appear, and you only see like their back, and they're still kind of like a silhouette. And just have like Liliana or Morgan turn around and just be like, "Warden." Oh, dun dun dun! Ooh, that would have been epic. Holy crap! Oh shit, that would have been good. Okay. No, I think the uh, the after credits thing we got was already pretty strong. But you could still have both. You could have had that ending, and then the after credits ending could still have been that. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen something like that. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think we're going to end it there. Uh, Anthony, where can we find you online, on the interwebs? You could find me on Twitter at Antics of Anthony. Mm-hmm. You could find me on YouTube, if you're brave enough, by trying to put in Amazingly Average Gameplay of Anthony. <laughs> not even going to do the abbreviation, because it's like Am's Av Game Ant, so good luck with that. And uh, on Twitch, at Am's Av Game Ant. Say that again. Am's, because it's like short for amazing. Okay. Av for average, game for game, and then Ant, short for Anthony. And we will see you next time. Bye. 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 We don't want to dampen the mood, D-A-M-P, Dragon Age multiplayer. That was a terrible joke. Before we get to more terrible jokes, we have to do some contact information, or else how are we going to know how much you love us? You have to tell us how much you love us. Don't tell us how much you hate us. Get a hold of us on Twitter at Dragon Age OTR. Contact me at Mistress underscore LeBeau. That's L-E-B-E-A-U. And if you like your tweets favorited, contact Road at That Road Guy. Email us at DragonAgeOTR at gmail.com. Visit our website at QuestGamingNetwork.com. And yes, we know our money's on the dresser. We have sponsors, you guys. Heard about us talk about Dragon Age The Stolen Throne and Dragon Age The Calling? Well, here's your chance to hear it for free. Go to audibletrial.com slash questgamingnetwork and you get one of those books for free. And the better to hear you with, my dear, visit tweakedaudio.com, enter our code off the record, all one word, for 30% off. Quality earbuds, free worldwide shipping, and a lifetime warranty. And while you're on YouTube, you could also subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash questgamingnetwork, where you can find a plethora of other shows. That's youtube.com slash questgamingnetwork. day i was like trying to do jumping jacks trying to get energy yeah i'll get energy <laughs> now i'm like shaking around trying to get blood flowing everywhere <laughs> but i do leave out cuss words because it's funny welcome well, that's what i saw <laughs> i was gonna stop oh i'm sorry <laughs> welcome to dragon age off the oh, you head. road yeah what's up you're a yeah i know
Welcome to Dragon Age Ultimate. God damn it! Why don't you do the intro, Road? Because uh, I'm not the host. You're the host. I've hosted three hours worth of shows today already. Okay, so shut up. You've already earned a brownie point right there. Good. I must accumulate them all. Bro, do you even know what an Atari is? I had an Atari. Yeah, I still think I'm the baby of this group. Uh, I'd like to think Road is the baby because he whines like a baby, doesn't he? Uh, no, I don't whine because that would be inaccurate. And I would know because I'm the know-it-all. Or Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 1... Or Tony McGuire, in general. Oh, no. Oh, come on. He was good in Tropic Thunder. Come on. When he played the gay freak. No? Nobody? Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> put oh, put no. crickets right here. Yes, I will put crickets right here. You. And then Captain America died. Thanks, Tony Stark. Then he came back because time bullets. <laughs> I blame Spider-Man. For making a deal with Mephistopheles uh, or whatever his name is. Mephisto. He's like, That's I no longer, I no longer like take souls. I now enjoy people's like misery. Mm, I feed off of it. I enjoy messing with Peter Parker's love life. That's exactly what happened. To be fair, Mary Jane's terrible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> when you've got a choice between Mary Jane and I don't know Gwen Stacy, Alicia yeah. Harding, uh any other woman on the planet? Seriously? I mean, come on. But oh, how the mighty have fallen. I Ugh. All I want is soul, soul, souls. No, I just want to see you miserable, Peter Parker. That is my new life purpose. God, I thought you said erase the whole thing, and I was like, no. You <laughs> don't cry. Kitty wants in on this, apparently. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Captain Nibbles! 